want to jump right in this morning. Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 11. Uh, sometimes you, you get ready for a service and get ready to preach, and sometimes it feels a little more significant for some reason. Today is one of those days where it feels a little more significant. I'm really praying that this is going to speak to you today. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth, and they cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Watch this verse. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. Say always. always. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. This is so good. You don't even know yet how good this is, but I'm going to tell you about it here in a minute. It says it always produces fruit. And here's another thing it says. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to gather today as a body of believers to worship you, to hear your word. And Father, I pray right now that our hearts will be stirred as we have lifted up the name of Jesus and we know that your presence fills this place. I believe that our hearts are prepared, Father, to hear what it is that you want to say to us. So Lord, we open our hearts to you right now. We open our ears to you right now. And we ask you to speak. Let your word come alive in our hearts and change us so that we will be everything that you have planned for us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Just heads up, next Sunday, I wanted to make this announcement. Pastor Joey is going to be speaking next Sunday. And so he, he may blow up. He may explode up here. And so... If you want to hear what he's got, you should come out next Sunday. And no, I'm not going out of town. I will be here. I need to see that too. And so anyway, just to kick in, um, let you know a little bit about this series. We're in part three of living life to the fullest. How many of you want to live life to the fullest? Living life to the fullest. So week one, we opened up this series. And if you were here, you remember we brought a table up here and we poured out uh, some, some boiled crawfish. Come on. Any, anybody in here likes a little bit of boiled crawfish? If you don't raise your hand, we're praying for you, believing for you. Because I believe that the table that the Lord invites us to is going to be full of boiled crawfish. And so they are converting you slowly. And... Anyway, the whole theme of that message that Sunday was that God is inviting you. He says you're invited to live a life to the fullest. Sometimes we don't believe that God has that for us because of maybe some things that we've done or how we lived our life or perhaps some different things that we have been taught growing up. But I want you to know today that God is inviting you to come to his table. There's room for you at the table. And God's saying, I have an incredible life for you to live. Then last week, we jumped into this message entitled, If I Only Knew. I think part of the reason why we may not live life to the fullest is because we don't know God 
to the fullest. We only know certain things about God, and therefore we only call out on His name for those things. But there is so much about God. There are so many incredible things that if we really, really learned who He was and got to know Him, we would call out upon His name and say, God, I need your help because you are my healer. You are my Savior. You are my Redeemer. You're all these different things. And I want to encourage you, if you missed last week's message, make sure you head over to the podcast and check that out. But today, what I want to talk about is, is God's Word. God's word, because part of getting to know who God is and knowing what he says and how he speaks is looking at his word. And, and I think that just like knowing God in his fullness is going to help you live the life to the fullest, I think you won't know any of that until you learn his word. Amen. Getting down to the nitty gritty and getting into God's word is going to have such a solid impact on your life. I want to start out this morning with a story, though. Because I remember growing up, my brother, my oldest brother, Jason, he had, uh, all, he had a range of friends. And there was this one particular friend that he had, and his friend, this guy's name was Danny. And Danny came over to the house all the time. Now, part of it was my parents cooked incredible food, and it was not hard to get friends to come to my house. Because, number one, we had an eight-and-a-half-foot basketball goal. And the ladies are like, what does that mean? And every dude in here is thinking, we're just going dunk all day long. And we have one of the new breakaway rims. You know what I'm talking about? So all the guys wanted to come to my house to play basketball. And they knew if they stuck around a little while, my parents were going to cook for them. And so they would stay. And it was not uncommon to have 10 to 15 guys over at the house every day because of this. And so there was this one guy. His name was Danny. And I I want you to know that Danny probably wasn't the most liked of all the friends out there because Danny had a mouth on him. Um, Danny just couldn't stop talking. And he just jabbered and talked. He talked trash to everyone. I mean, this guy really believed that he was God's greatest. I'm serious. He, He... He bragged so much on himself, and what was so crazy is he could never, ever back it up. Like, he would talk trash at school about what he was going to do on the basketball court at our house, and then everybody would just dunk on him, and it was pretty incredible. Probably hurt him quite a bit, and we pray for Danny today, but at the, at the time, it was the appropriate thing to do, and um, trust me. And, and Danny would always tell, and if your name's Danny in here, no, no shame in your game. We just, this is, his, this is his name. It's not you. Anyway, Danny would just, I mean, he would always tell you what he was going to do one day. And he would make up some of the craziest stories of stuff that he was going to do. I remember it was baseball season. He didn't even like baseball, wasn't even good at baseball, but he talked like he was God's gift to baseball. And he began to tell us how he was going to go all the way to AAA and then start playing in the major leagues. And we just thought, this guy is losing his mind. Like with basketball, he was short and slow, and he just believed that he could play in the NBA. Now, I give Danny credit for his faith. You know, and he had some strong belief, but the dude just needed to stop talking. In fact, it got so bad, my dad, this guy drove my dad crazy. And my dad, if you know my dad, my dad, he's a smooth dude. He can handle a lot. But this guy drove my dad to the point my dad quit calling him Danny. My dad called him the mouth of the south. I'm serious. And dad would always ask, mouth of the south coming today? (laughs) It was always something. And the big problem with Danny was he could never back up anything he said. He would just throw it out. Prom. He would talk about the girl that he was going to bring the prom. And she didn't even exist. <laughs> this was Danny. I'm telling you, this dude was messed up. I don't know where he's at today. Maybe we should stop and pray for him. But 
Danny just put it out there, though. He just said all kinds of things. How many of you know somebody that just would throw things out? One day I'm going to do this. And, one day I, and, and they said it back in the day, and you look at them now, and it's like, where are they at? There's nowhere close. This was Danny. This was Danny. Danny just always, he would say so many words, but yet he can never, ever fulfill it. And this was the thing about him. You could not trust him. You never could trust him because he would say this and never. If he told you he was coming pick you up for school, you better get another ride because he's not coming get you. He says that, but he doesn't do that. Sometimes when I when I when I think of stories like that, I think sometimes we may have some feelings like that towards God. Because sometimes we feel like God said a whole lot in the Bible and he said that and maybe it applies to a few people, but we may feel like it doesn't apply to me. Maybe it's for them. And, and, and watch this. So, so we start spinning God's word. Well, maybe it's God's will that I go through this. And that's always interesting language. When people are going through a struggle, they begin to take God's word and they want to use it appropriately. But a lot of times we use it to condition ourselves for where we are. And so we start saying things like, maybe it's God's will for me to go through this. All I know is that it's God's will for people to come to repentance. Amen. I believe it's God's will for people to be healed. I believe it's God's will for people's lives to be changed, for it to be turned around. I believe that is God's will. And you say, well, what if I'm going through it? Listen, if you're going through sickness, if you're going through that stuff, I don't believe that's God's will. And I know that's like a tough subject. I don't believe I believe there's an enemy trying to kill, steal and destroy. And what he will do and it's evidence in God's word. Read it. He always tries to twist God's word, pervert it and make you believe something different about God. So you no longer trust in him, but you start putting trust in yourself. This is what the enemy does. He tries to get you to the point to where you trust in yourself more than you trust in God. And what does he do? He's disconnecting you from God. And that is disconnecting you from the life source, the possibility of change, the possibility of a miracle. That's what he's trying to do. And maybe that's messing with your theology a little bit. But read the Bible. This is the reality of God's word. It's amazing how we take it and we spin it for our condition. You don't have to spin God's word. It's good by itself. It is solid. Amen. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about the power of a word, the power of God's word. And, and let me give you a little scenario here, because I believe words have the power to change our lives. Let me give you a few examples. OK, if the doctor calls and says the test results are. That next word can change your life. Because if he calls and says the test results are negative. It's all good. But when he says it's positive, it can change your life just like that. In fact, if you're in the doctor's office and you've been having pain in a certain part of your body, it's in your mind. You're not saying it to anyone and no one's saying it to you. But you fear one word. Cancer. The power of one word can change your life. Let me give you another scenario. Let's say that you and your spouse are going through some trouble and you've been fighting a lot. And then the spouse calls you and says, hey, I think I want to. That next word can change your life. Because if they say apologize, there's hope. But if they say divorce, think about it. Just one word, the power of one word can literally change your life. What about this? What about if your supervisor, a supervisor calls you into the office and says, I think we want to hire you. We're going out to eat tonight. Am I right? But if he says, I think we want to 
fire you. These are things that completely change our lives. That's the power of one word. And there are so many words that have been spoken in our lives. And not all of them mean the same. But there are key words that have been spoken to you that has affected your life forever. I worked in youth ministry for 11 years. And I can remember certain words that would just mess with people. If a father told a son, I'm proud of you, it changed his life. If a father told a son, you'll never amount to anything, it'll change his life. If a young man tells a young girl that she is ugly or that she is fat, it changes her life. Just one word has the power to change a person's life. Just like one word has the power to change your life. And I believe that if we're going to live this life to the fullest, we have to know what God says. We have to know what God is saying. Here's why. Because there's a lot of people talking to us. And there is one person that is talking to you more than anybody else. And it is not your nine-year-old daughter. It is not your spouse. It is you. In fact, the preacher that you listen to more than anyone else is not me. I'm flattered. But it's you. You're preaching messages to yourself Every day, you have subscribed to that podcast. You listen to it over and over and over, and you are preaching up a storm to yourself. And some of you are like, I'm not a good preacher. (laughs) And sometimes all we got to do is look at your life and say, we know. (laughs) We know. Just beating ourselves down and just... Do you know that there are people who go to church on Sundays and do not feel like it was a good church service unless they were just beaten with God's word? Unless the preacher just got up there and trashed them. And I just want to say this. I want everybody to come to our church, but if that's what you came here looking for, there are some great churches here in town because I am not coming to beat no one down. I'm here to lift people up. The name of our church is Emerge, not Beat Down. (laughs) I mean, you can tweet that. I mean, we're here to help people up, not push them down. Now, we'll challenge you. We are not going to tackle you unless you come at me. (laughs) So the title of this message today, I I know some people just cannot make it through a church service unless you give them a title. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know what he's talking about. All the points, all the kind. I don't know what in the world he's talking about. So today, the title of the message is What He Said. See, what he said was, that's what he said. What he said. We're talking about God's word. Now, let's jump into this. Isaiah 55. It compares God's word to like snow and rain. Now, we have a terrible time interpreting snow here because anytime we get snow, it's terrible. It's pretty when it's fallen, but you're stuck in the house. Because they shut down every highway. They closed the schools. They like shut life down. Anybody that moved here from the north is angry at us because we don't even know. You know, all that fun stuff. But it's a mess. It's beautiful when it's falling, but it is a mess. So we can't fully uh, appreciate this. But it's comparing God's word to snow and to rain that waters the ground. And it says that God's word, it produces, it accomplishes. This is what you need to know about the word of God. And when God speaks something in our life, it is producing something in us. It is accomplishing something in it. Now, here's the thing you have to know about producing and accomplishing. It doesn't always mean instant results. Now, we got a whole world where we believe in instantaneity. Is that a word? I don't know. Instantaneous. That's the proper word. I'm sorry. I've been hanging around a guy doing impressions of people, and it's messing with my mind. Maybe Joey will do one for you next week. 
He should. It'll be hilarious. Anyway, um, we're so used to things being right there on the spot quickly that if it doesn't work fast, it must not really work. We believe that with medicine. We believe that with God. We believe that with friends. We believe that with relationships. Well, if you're sorry, show me. I can't show you in 10 minutes all the things I'm sorry for for the last 10 years. For real. But we want that. And if you can't do it in 10 minutes, I'm moving on. One of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. Anyway, just throwing that out. I'm not pushing you down. I'm lifting you up. Fruit of the Spirit. Okay. Another version of the Bible says it like this, that God's word will not return void. It will not return void. Let me translate that for you. In other words, it works. God's word works. Even when we don't work, God's word still works. See, God's word is not conditional upon what you can and cannot do. It's what he is able to do. Watch this. You have coworkers that may sit there tomorrow and do nothing. Somebody has that coworker. They may do nothing, but that doesn't mean that you sit there and do nothing. Why? Because you got work to do. And even though they're doing nothing, you can still get your work done. And I want you to know, God still can get his work done. In fact, God's working right now. God's working on situations you don't even know about. There's somebody maybe even praying for you right now. And you're sitting there saying, nobody cares about me. I'm just completely forgotten. But the Lord may have put it on someone's heart that you may not even know. And they felt like they needed to pray for some lady in Tallahassee, Florida that was going through something that was terrible. God loves you that much that he would put it on somebody's heart. Because he's working. And God's word, it works. It works. So... God isn't like the silent father who sits there saying nothing. You know what I'm talking about? The guy that just sits there, all the family is there, and the father is just sitting there in the easy chair, holding the remote, checking the thermostat, observing the room, and not saying a word, and just waiting for something to happen so he can get up and walk out the room because he figured that was going to happen. He's not that kind of father. He has something to say. And I believe that God knows exactly what to say into every situation of our lives. And it's, watch this, it's not just to correct us. Even though that is a part of his love for us, correction. But I believe it's also to instruct us. I believe it's also to inspire us. I think it's also to help us to see the possibilities of what he can do. God is faithful to speak his word into our lives. In fact, God has already spoken to us. We just don't think that because we're waiting to hear this big angelical moment where angels come down from heaven. Bright light is shining for us to be convinced that God is speaking. I want you to know, in all the years of having a relationship with my dad, my dad never showed up with a spotlight saying, my son, I'm here. (laughs) That would be weird, am I right? Walk into my room with bright lights, you know, all the aura. My child, I'm here. I am your father. I just had to, man. I just had to. I just wanted to throw the dad joke for the sake of my kids right there. He's spoken, and he wants to speak to us. Now, God speaks to us in a variety of ways. Can I teach a little bit today? There's a lot of notes, and I want you to take these notes because I believe this is one of the most important messages that you can hear ever, okay? God speaks to us in a variety of ways, but the most common way that God speaks to us is through the Bible. 
okay? Do I believe God speaks to us through prophecy? Yes, I do. Do I believe that God can bring people in our life? Yeah, I remember sitting in a movie one time when I was running from God, and on the screen the guy says, repent and thou shalt be saved. <laughs> and it was, it's not a movie that you would want your kids to go to. I'm just telling you. But God spoke to me in that movie, and I knew I needed to get my life right with the Lord. So some of you are like, that's it, send the kids to the show. That's probably not the best idea. But God speaks anywhere. In fact, you, there's a story in the Old Testament where God used a donkey to talk to somebody. I heard a story in Bible school. There was a man who was a missionary, and he was in the middle of this country that had never, ever heard the name of Jesus before. And he, he just going there thinking, we're going to reach all the people. And, he, and I'm about to blow your mind. You may not believe this, but I'll still tell you because I believe it, okay? And so he goes in there, and he's thinking he's about to reach all these people for Jesus. And so they drew up all these pictures trying to show them who Jesus is, trying to interpret who Jesus is. Guess what he found? They already knew Jesus. And so as they learned the language and everything, this is what they found out. There were some elements of creation that began to help them realize who God was. I need you to know God's good. God is so good. God is so good that he will blow your mind. He will do things out of bounds of your own beliefs and your own science. Amen? I mean, get educated, but don't lose God in your education. Amen? I mean, I want my kids to be smart, but don't lose Jesus. All right, so let's get back into this. Okay, so the Bible is unlike any other book. Okay, still bestseller of all time, by the way. Bible is unlike any other book, and though it's historical, and though it's literary, it contains stories, it contains teachings, principles that are, mo that are both life-giving and are life-changing. So this is something I'm important to know about the Bible. The Bible is the inspired word of God. In other words, it's God's word that was recorded by men. Now, if it was just one person that said this stuff, I think we could put it into question. But it's multiple people, and as you see the, the connection, and you see the consistency of all the different things that were spoken to these men, it has to capture your attention and say, evidently, these guys are on to something because it spans generations. And listen, it spans continents. It's in different places. And for it all to be on the same page, there has to be a master author that is involved. And it is God himself who inspired men through the Holy Spirit who wrote down these stories, who wrote down these principles, and then through just generations, they put it in an order that you and I now have access to, that we can read, that we can apply to our life. No other generation has had as much access to God's Word like we do, yet we build our lives on so much other stuff other than God's Word. Seriously. We build our lives on so many other things, but the Bible, it's the inspired Word of God. Now, most people would assume that the Bible is a help me book, that it was written just, it's all about me. And I need you to know that the Bible is not all about me. It's not all about you. Look at your neighbor and just say, it's really not all about you. Say with an attitude. Some of you have been needing to say this to that person for a long time. I'm just helping you out. You're looking at your kids and you're like, it's really not all about you. And that kid's looking back saying, that's what you think. See, the whole point of the Bible, and I want to help you here, and this is so important to know. The whole point of the Bible is Jesus. All the stories, everything is pointing you to Jesus. You say, well, the Old Testament doesn't mention Jesus. The Old Testament helps you realize that you really, really need Jesus. Because I don't want to live like that. Those people live crazy. 
Go read the book of Leviticus. Some of you, you couldn't handle it. I, I, by chapter 5, you're like, I'm out. <laughs> and that's where you're like, thank you, Jesus, for coming, because these people are nuts. All kinds of things that they were doing. The Bible isn't about me. It was written for me. The whole point of the Bible is to help you see that I need Jesus. And in all of your studies of the Bible, if you forget that the whole point of it is Jesus, and you begin to make it about you, you will twist it, you will pervert it, and you will turn it into something it was never, ever meant to be. And watch this. You will hurt people. And not only will you hurt people, you'll wind up hurting yourself because you're setting yourself up for a letdown. I need you to know there was a time in my life where I, I'm telling you, when I was a kid, I was trying to convince my mom that I could date before I was 16 years old. That was a rule in our house, not till you're 16. And so I was pulling verses out of Song of Solomon, man. I'm serious. Dude. I was just working the Bible. I was like, Mama, Mama likes the Bible. Let me give her a verse. So I was giving my mama a verse. Like, look, this is what the Lord is speaking to me. And she said, that is not what God meant when he said that. <laughs> it's not what he meant. But I was trying to use it for my purposes, for my sake, for what I wanted to happen. And I could have twisted God's word, used it for me, and it, wound up, it would have wound up hurting me, and it would have wound up hurting that person I was trying to have a relationship with. And it wasn't even wise for me to be in a relationship with that person. Amen, baby? <laughs> she didn't say... She didn't say amen. She said, mm-hmm. She gone. <laughs> so every story, every verse, every principle helps me to see my need for Jesus, to see who he is, what he does, okay, to know him, to learn about him, to learn from him, so that I can live my life the way he's planned for me. That's why I say we want to live life to the fullest. We don't even know the plans that's written out. It's kind of like, ooh, I saw a picture. I know everything. Picture Bibles don't do it, y'all. I'm serious. Picture Bibles aren't even accurate. They're great to introduce kids to the Bible, but if we're still trying to live off of picture Bibles, Instagram, Facebook, come on, somebody. That is such good preaching right there. I know. If we're trying to live by that, we're going to build our lives around an image which he said, thou shalt not have any images before me. We're trying to build our life around an image of God instead of the reality of God. This is why we've got to understand God's word. So let's jump in. John chapter 1. In the beginning, before all time, was the word. And right there where it says word, you notice it's Christ. Because the word wasn't just what God says, it's who he is. And it's who he is in Christ Jesus, okay? And the word was with God, and the word was God himself. It wasn't just what God says, it's who he is. And Jesus is the word of God that became flesh. I know that's deep. You can go study the Trinity all you want, but Jesus is God. And there are certain denominations that do not believe that. They just see Jesus as a good teacher and as a prophet, but they do not see him as God. But when we quit seeing him as God, his sacrifice does not mean what it means anymore. Because God himself came down and gave his life on the cross so that you and I can be set free. In other words, God demonstrated his love. The ultimate picture of love is laying down your life for someone. And God said, I'll do it for them because I love them. So know this, that God's basis for his word comes from his love for us, not his anger against us. That is so important for you to know, because when you read the Old Testament, you may see the wrath of God. But what you have to know is that Jesus hadn't come on the scene yet. 
When Jesus comes on the scene, I need you to see it changes. In fact, I was thinking of this yesterday. The Old Testament, it's all about an altar. It's all about an altar. Kill the animal, put it on the altar. Kill this sacrifice, put it on the altar. But when you see the New Testament, I start seeing a table. Come and sit with me at the table. Because the sacrifice has already been given once and for all. And Jesus was worthy enough to fulfill all the price of all sins for all time. How many of y'all know some people that were bad back in the day? Jesus died for them. Do you know there's some people that are bad that are coming too? I'm telling you, there are some bad sinners that are going to be coming this way. Jesus already died for them. That's how good of a sacrifice he was for us. Anyway, that's just a little tidbit. I need to get back to this because I've got a lot to say. Okay, so he was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. And all things were made and came into existence through him. Elbow the evolution theory. Anyway, and without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines on in the darkness. And the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it. And it is unreceptive to it. I know, Joey, I'm fired up about God's word. So Jesus is the word that became flesh, meaning this. He personifies all that God the Father says. He personifies it. In other words, I'm Jesus and everything that God says, I am that. And I am come for you. I'm here to help you to see all that and hear all that he said so that you can live all that he's meant for you to live. That's how good God is. And I need you to see this because if you're not careful, when you read God's word, you're reading it as a rule book. But you have to see it as a relationship book. And if you see it as a relationship book, it opens your eyes to possibilities. If you see it as a rule book, it discourages you. It makes you feel like you will never, ever be good enough. He's come that you may have what? Life. So watch this. Here's some application. You can't follow Jesus without the Bible. Let me say that again. You can't follow Jesus without the Bible. Meaning this. You, want, you, you can't understand what God has for you without seeing it in his word. You have to have God's word to follow Jesus. And you won't fully understand the Bible without acknowledging Jesus. I've sat in theology classes. Doctrine classes. I've had friends that sat in religion classes. All these different classes. And when you sit in the class and the teacher does not acknowledge Jesus for who he is, it completely turns the Bible into a book of history. It completely turns the Bible into a literary book instead of it being a life-giving book. And this is something that we need to know because even as we're trying to teach our children about reading God's word and the importance of God's word, if they don't see it as a life-giving book and they only see it as another assignment, it will never, ever change their life. Because now they're limiting God just to something they learn instead of someone they know. 
And that's why it's so possible for people to go to church and know about God and learn facts about God and still not have a relationship. It's no different than someone who has, who has read a biography about someone or an autobiography. We read about them, but I don't know them personally. And so I don't know what kind of soft drink they eat at lunch. Maybe they drink water because they're on a special diet. I don't know that because I don't have a relationship. But when I have a relationship, I'm just, I, I got some inside information. This is why this is so important. I'm I'm praying that really you fall in love with God's word. So watch this. God's word is our foundation. It's our, it's the foundation to build a life upon. That's why I'm so excited we sang that song this morning because it it really helps us to, to see that I need something solid. I need something consistent to build my life on because I need this stuff to last. Like I need my family to last. I need the church to last, amen? I want to last. I want to make it. What's going to be my foundation, though? Am I going to try to build my life on finances? Hey, that's smart. But listen, I've learned this. You need to be smart, but you also need to be spiritual. Because your smart can't get you to heaven. And your smarts can't get you to blessings of God. But spiritual, living, God, living for God and living by his word is going to open up the door for you to realize and experience all the goodness of God. Amen. Now, I want to say this. I am concerned about this generation. Because this generation doesn't know the word of God. And I'm not picking on this generation. I'm just telling you that we put our focus on other things. Whenever church has become an option, whenever devotional time has just become something we don't have time for anymore, and we're more interested in building memories with our families than we are building solid young men and women of God, those memories will be good moments in our life, but what about the present moment where they're falling apart? I've told single ladies this. Don't marry a guy that you got to continue to pray for and believe that he's going to come to Jesus and believe that he's going to go to church and believe that he's going to have a relationship with God. That's not your guy. And I've told men this. Lead your family well spiritually. Amen? Lead your family well spiritually. How am I going to do that? The Word of God doesn't mean you have to be a Bible scholar. It just means I need to be in God's Word. And I need to have it as a foundation in my life so I can show it to my sons, so I can show it to my daughters, so I can lead my family with consistency. Come on, somebody. With a firm foundation so that when I say it, it's not just what daddy said, but it's what God says. And there is a, watch this, a conviction about it. A conviction about it. There's some authority. So I want to encourage you today, and if you're a young person in here, get an appetite for God's word. Get an appetite, and if you're a parent in here, make it a priority for your family. Hey, we're going to be consistent. We're going to get in God's Word. We're going to be in church. My kids are going to go to Emerge Kids. My kids are going to go to the youth group. They're going to be involved with this. We're going to go to e-group. Why? Because we want God's Word in our life because that is going to be a solid foundation for us. Amen. I just want to throw that in there. Let me get moving. All right, here's a few things about God's Word I want to bring to your attention today. The first thing is this. God's Word is eternal. Let me just summarize that for you. It's good all the time. That means it doesn't expire. Some people say it's old-fashioned. It's not. It's current. It is still alive and well today, and God isn't changing what he said. 
Generations come, cultures come, but God's word remains. It's still good. Amen? It's still good. It still works. Here's another thing you need to know. God's word creates. It's life-giving, meaning this. God can take nothing and make something by his word. He can take nothing and make something. So you're looking at your situation, you say, I see nothing happening. Okay, I need a word from God because with one word, God can create something. Okay, so you're saying, so is God still creating? So I believe this. In the beginning, he spoke and he created things for us. Today, he's speaking and he's creating things in us. You got that? In the beginning, he spoke, he created all kinds of good things for us. Today, he's speaking and he's creating all kinds of good things in us. Are we listening? Are you tuned in? Are you listening? Okay. Here's another thing about God's word. God's word is promising. It's promising. The Bible scholars has calculated up to 8,000 promises in the Bible. 8,000. 8,000. That's like a lot per day. I didn't do the math, but that's a lot in a day. I want you to think about it. Some of you, you don't even pull out 8,000 words in a year. 8,000 promises. Joshua 23, 14. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. It will not return void. And some people say, well, how come I didn't see it? Listen, if you wasn't here last week for the message, you don't know what we said. If you wasn't here the week that we had the boiled crawfish, I wish you would have. You could have sat at the table with us and ate boiled crawfish, but you wasn't here. I think we miss it a lot of times because we're present somewhere else. So are you getting on me? You take it however you want. I'm just saying that we have to give our attention to what God is saying or else we'll miss it. How many of you, somebody said something important, you weren't paying attention. You were like, hey, wait, wait a minute. What, what did you say? I wasn't listening. I, 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 I didn't catch that. Why? Because my attention was somewhere else. Here's another thing. God's word gives light. This is what it means. It means it helps us to see. And it cannot be overcome by any darkness. I've heard people say, I feel like I'm in a, in a darkness right now. And I can't see what I need to do. I'm just confused. So here we go. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It helps me to see. It helps me to make decisions. It helps me to see and discern things in my life. When I don't know what to do, I go to God's word. Is it going to give me a direct answer every single time? Like if I'm buying a vehicle, let me go read God's word. Should I buy this one or that one? Doesn't say. Camel or mule? It doesn't say. But it can give me some wisdom and some principles to help me look at my financial situation. To make a good decision what I need to do moving forward. And it may say you don't need either. You just need a new pair of shoes because you're walking. Gave me some clarity. Are, are you seeing what I'm saying? It helps you to see. Gives light. God's word is our standard. This is a good one. God's word is our standard to live by. To live life according to God's plan. We need his word. So here's a verse I've heard for years. My mom used to quote this verse to us. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
I'm storing it up. You ever read a verse and you're like, I didn't really need that verse today, but I better hold on to it. I remember going to church learning things like, why do you preach your own marriage? I'm single. I've seen people do that. Oh, they're doing a marriage series. Single people don't need to go. Yes, you do. They're talking about raising kids. I don't have kids. We don't need to get. You better get there. <laughs> Seriously. Why? What? I'm hiding his word in my heart. I'm storing it up because one day it's coming. It's funny. We're praying for that, but yet we don't participate in it. Okay. Here's another thing. God's word sorts us out. I was just saying. God's word sorts us out. It sorts us out. Watch this verse. I love it. I love it. Okay. And I'm going to explain it. For, for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy. And it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. Right there, that's where people jump out of it. Oh, God's word's just going to cut me deep. Hold on. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. See, you hear that and you're like, what in the world? That sounds deep. That sounds scary. Really what it means is it helps us get past our emotions so that we can operate in faith. And this is how we know. Watch this. And I'm just going to just help you see something. We know how much word a person got in somebody by how emotional they get in those situations. Well, I'm just an emotional person. Me too. Trust me. I'm a very emotional person. About to lose my mind up there on worship today. I just wanted to jump all over the place. But got wires. Just connected. Just the emotion of it. And I have to know that with all that emotion comes the responsibility of maintaining and containing all of that. And I have to get past the emotion because my emotions make me want to do things that feel good but may not be good. And so I need God's word, watch this, to contain those emotions. Take the glass off the light bulb and just let your kids in that room. You wouldn't do it. Why? Because if they touch it, it's going to shock them and hurt them. So we contain it. We contain it so that it is safe. And I believe that the word of God can help us contain our emotions. Contain those feelings. I just don't know what to do. I'm just so, I just feel it. I just feel it. I just feel it. You need God's word to contain those emotions. It helps us get past the emotions. So like when you feel the urge to do something, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's God. So how am I going to discern if it's God or not? You can ask people, but I need to get in God's word. So like if God speaks to me and says, hey, I want you to go encourage Lance. I'm not going to sit there and say, is that the devil speaking to me? Because the devil would never say, go encourage Lance. He wouldn't do that. Haley may tell me to go do it. But the chances are if I hadn't talked to her and I feel like I need, it's God saying, I might be scared though. I may not normally do that. But because I understand how God's word operates, I'm going to go do it out of obedience, even though my feelings doesn't want to do it. Lifting my hands. I don't do that, Pastor Taylor. It's just not what I do in church. I'm a grown man. <laughs> but the Bible says, lift up holy hands. Well, what if my hands ain't holy? Repent. Let's go. Like, these are the things that we just create them as optional because we don't feel like it. God's word, what does it do? It helps sort out those emotions. There's a standard there, and God wants me to stay consistent with his word. Because when I'm consistent with his word, I'm in line with his plans. Think of building a, a, a house or a building. There are codes. 
There's blueprints, there's engineers, there's architects, there's all these different people. And what are they doing? They're making sure that what was drawn up gets built appropriately and correctly. And there's a checks and balance that is there. There's a plan that is being followed. And a lot of us, we see the plan, we're like, oh, we just wing this part, just wing it. And then wonder why that part of our life is falling down. Why is it falling? Because we didn't follow the standard. We got outside of the plan. God's word helps us to keep it in order. So let's finish here. How do I use the Bible? How do I use it? Okay. A lot of people say this. So, Pastor, how do I read the Bible? And there's so many different people that would tell you so many different things. And I would say get a plan. That's the first thing. Get a plan. Because a lot of people that read their Bible. Let me see your Bible, Mr. Robert. This is the old school Bible. This is how they read it. Oh, what joy for those whose obedient disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out. I don't like that verse. Let me find another one. That's how they read the Bible. Let me find another one in Psalms. My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil. I don't like that one. This is how most people read the Bible. They flip it open just looking for a a, a sugar verse. Instead of having a plan. There's Bible plans all over. version Bible app, I strongly recommend it to you because there are thousands of Bible reading plans on there that help you to track what you're reading so that you can contain it. Amen? I encourage you to do that. version Bible app. You can Google it. You can go to your app store and pull it up on your phone. And listen, you can just use it as a reference. Maybe you're old school and you still want the old leather and the thin little pages with the gold trim and the, the little thumb thing. Do that. But get yourself a plan and work it. Okay, here's the important thing. How do I use the Bible? Number one, you have to hear it. You have to hear it, not just read it to check a box on your Bible reading plan. I remember doing that. My mom would tell us, you're reading through the Bible this year. You're just going to do it. There's not an option. And so you start day one. It's like Genesis 1, 2, and 3, Matthew 1, 2, and 3, and then one Psalm and one Proverb. And you know what you're doing? You're like speed reading. Check, 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 check. All right, let's go play. (laughs) What was it about? Uh, (laughs) Beginning of the Bible, probably the beginning. Beginning of the New Testament, probably about Jesus. So faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's what Romans tells us, okay? There's a word for the word word. And it's called Logos, L-O-G-O-S. And it's used, to re- it's used to refer to the constant written word of God, which we have recorded in the Bible. So those words that are written and recorded in the Bible, it's Logos, Logos, however you want to say it, L-O-G-O-S. Okay? So think of it this way. I can read God's word. I can listen to God's word. Today, as we're preaching, you're hearing God's word. Okay? You're hearing it. When we're reading the scriptures, you're getting the written word of God. You're getting the Logos word of God. Okay? What does it do? It fills our soul. It strengthens our spirit. It's building my faith as I hear God's word. So we need to hear it. Put yourself in position to hear God's word. Did you hear what I said? Put yourself in position to hear God's word. Do it on a daily basis. That's why reading is so important so that you can hear God's word. It helps you get past your emotions and get down to business. 
Amen? Here's the second thing. Not only do I hear it, but I need to speak it. Speak it. You say, Pastor Way, do I need to become a preacher? You already are. <laughs> Remember, I told you that. You're preaching yourself. But well, whose notes are you using? That's the question. Whose content are you using? So, speaking the word of God. The word of God is like a sword, okay? And with that sword, we can conquer thoughts. We can conquer feelings. We can conquer so many different things with God's word. Now, when you speak it, you're taking the Logos word of God, and now it's becoming the rhema, R-H-E-M-A, the rhema word of God. By the way, I'm just doing a whole lesson on the Bible today. That's all I'm doing. I'm just preaching it to you, okay? Rhema refers to the instant personal speaking of God to us. So whenever I read God's word and I speak it into my life, it is the Logos word spoken with a rhema tone. Into my, in other words, I'm not just reading it to agree with it. I'm speaking it now because I need it to work. I'm confessing it. I am declaring it. I'm speaking it over my situation. So let me show you how this works. My child is sick. God, I believe that you are the healer. And your word says in Isaiah that by his stripes, that's Jesus, we were healed. So I'm claiming healing for my child today according to your word. I'm just saying what you said. I'm not making something up. You said you're a healer. I'm believing it and I'm declaring it today over my child's life. So I'm not just hearing God's word. I'm speaking it. Amen. And I want to encourage you to speak God's word. Be life giving with your speech. Speak it. Maybe your family is away from God, and it's easy to complain and say, there's a bunch of good for nothing. No, don't do that. God, I believe that you will save them. Somebody's Siri just went off. I believe God will save them. I speak salvation to my family. It is God's will that all will come to repentance. Even that crazy person in my family that is so far away from God, it's God's will that they come to repentance. I speak it over their life in the name of Jesus. This will take your prayer life to the next level. This will turn you from being a beggar in your prayer life to being someone who is bold in their prayer life. Where you're proclaiming God's word instead of just begging God for something you don't even know that he can do. This is life changing. This is why I wanted to speak this today. It's a rhema word. So watch this. When I pray, I pray according to his word. I, when I make these declarations, I make it according to his word. When you hear preaching, when you hear prophecy, those different things are the rhema word of God. Now, this is something so important. It should never contradict what's written in God's word. If it contradicts what's, God, what's written in God's word, back off, son. That's not from God. Because what it'll do is it'll create confusion in your life. And confusion is not from God. It's from the enemy. Jesus said it. It's from the enemy. And so I have to be smart enough to know I've got to get in God's word. Because there's a lot of different things being spoken to me and being spoken into my life. And I have to be able to discern that is not what God says about me. This person may be significant in my life and they may be saying that to me. But that is not what my father says. Are you grabbing this? I've got to hold on to God's word and trust what he says rather than what they say. Here's the last thing. I got I to gotta hear it. I got to speak it. But number three, I got to live it. I've got to live it. I can't just sit in church and agree and amen and mm, and all that good stuff and jot it down for Susie at work who's going through something. I've got to live it. 
See, a lot of times we're listening for somebody else, but you need it. Not your husband sitting next to you. You need it. Not your kid who God knows where they're at right now. You need it. Do they need it? Yes, they need it too. But don't just come for them. Come to get it for you. But we've got to live. So watch this. Let me say it like this. Follow the directions of God's word, and you find the directions to living the best life. But you can't just sit there and say, tell me where to go without being willing to take the step to go there. Because I have found that God doesn't map the whole thing out for you and tell you up front. He says, take this step. But that's scary. That's hard. That's why I need God's word to separate the bone and the marrow, to separate the soul and the spirit, or else I would never take that risk. Like tithing. We wouldn't take that risk because financially it doesn't make sense. But I got to get the emotions out of it. I got to get all that out of it so that I make a good, solid, biblical decision and take steps of faith. Are you grabbing this today? I know that's a hot topic. Don't mess with me about that, Pastor Wade. It's in the Bible, though. And here's the thing with the Bible. You can't pick and choose what parts of it you want to believe and what parts you don't want to believe. You can't say, well, I like all this about God, but I don't like all that about God. You have to be all in. And here's why, because he went all in with you. Good thing he didn't say, well, I don't like this about old Chris over there, so I'm not going to die for him. I'm going to die for them, but not for him. He died for all, and he knew how crazy we were. He knew the potential of what you could do and what you could believe. And he says, I'll still die for you. And so with God's word, I have to live it. What, is it, what, what does the Bible say? Don't just be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers. Got to do it. I've got to live it. It's not option. It's obedience. It's not just suggestions. This is the standard. This is what God has for me, okay? And so I have to live it out in order for it to work in my life. So as we wrap up this morning, I want you to think of this. When we fill our heart with God's word, we set ourselves up to live life to the fullest. When we fill our hearts with God's word, we're equipping ourselves. Listen to me. We're equipping ourselves for an incredible journey of all that God has for us. I'm getting God's word in my heart. I'm letting it change my mind. I'm letting it change the way I think and letting it change the way I feel so that I take steps and I keep going and I keep growing. And next thing you know, I find myself living life like I never thought. I can live. Does it mean that there won't be storms? There will be storms. It just means that I got something in me that's greater than everything that's going on around me. And so I can have peace in the middle of the war. I can be calm in the middle of the storm. I encourage you today. Get God's word in your life. Let it fill you. Let it change you. Hear it. Speak it. Live it. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to share this today. You said so many incredible things to us in your word that was written. Some of it we didn't read. Some of it we don't know. Father, I pray that there will be a hunger in our hearts for your word. I pray today that we will be inspired to, to read, to listen, to hear what it is that you want to say to us. I pray that we will fill our lives with it so that we can forever be changed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're running from God, maybe you don't know him today, we want to give you an opportunity to have a relationship with him. Maybe you knew today you needed to be at this service. Maybe you're just here 
and somebody told you to come, invited you. But after being here, you realize I'm where I'm supposed to be. I just want to lead us into prayer today. We always pray this prayer on Sundays. This is anything new. But I want to invite the whole entire church family to pray this prayer with me today. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for inviting me to your table. For writing a good plan for my life. And sending Jesus to prove how much you love me. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for my sins so that I can be forgiven. And I ask you today, Lord, to forgive my sins, to wash me, cleanse me, and make me a new person. I surrender all to you, and I choose today to live my life your way. In Jesus' name.